Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Have your Bible. You go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 1 because that's where we're going to be reading from today. And you know, the truth is that many, there are so many women in this room and maybe you've never given birth to a child but you carry a mother's heart. And it's making such a difference in this world. You know, I'm thankful for the women of this community, whether you birth the next generation, whether you adopt or train or employ or mentor or love, whether they're in your home or outside of your home, you are making such a difference in this city. And you're changing this city because of the love that God's placed in your heart. And we're so thankful to you. (laughs) Come on, can we put our hands together for all the mums in this house? We love you and we're blessed to have you as part of our church. And so today being Mother's Day, I want to talk from the idea of who are we raising? And as we're in this series, Our House, God's House... One of the hallmarks of a healthy home is that it raises children. So this Mother's Day, let's talk about how we raise children. Today, if you don't currently have children in your home, this message is still for you. Because firstly, we're all involved in raising children. If you don't have children in your home, then please step up into mentoring and and getting alongside some children. And secondly, when I talk about raising children, while it's applicable to like the literal sense of actual children, it's also really applicable to discipleship in our Christian faith. You know, Paul uses age as a metaphor for growing in our Christian faith. So I believe this can be applied for all of us, either practically raising children or coming alongside. We're going to read today in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. It says this. But the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb, and he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers and tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Will you just bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for Mother's Day. I thank you that we can celebrate in this community the women who have raised us and who have shaped us and have spoken life over us. And Lord, I pray that your word would speak life into our spirits. God, that you would open up our eyes and that you would open up our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know that much of life is spent preparing? 
so much <laughs> of our day-to-day is spent preparing. You know, we wake up in the morning and we're preparing for work. We get to work and we're preparing for that meeting. We're preparing for that proposal. We're preparing for that test. And then we get home and we're preparing for dinner. And then we're preparing for the next day. And I don't know about you, but I'm a person that likes to be prepared. Is anyone else with me? Does anyone else like to be prepared? Yep. If I'm going to preach a sermon, I like to prepare well and know my notes. Don't hold me to that today, church. No. <laughs> if I'm going to sing a song, I like to know the lyrics. If I'm going to go somewhere, then I like to be prepared for what I'm going to, and I like to get there early. But can I tell you that since becoming a mum to Oliver and Harriet, my life preparation has been tested. Traveling with kids now looks different, right, parents? You know, I remember the days of just having to pack my own suitcase, you know, multiple outfits, my makeup, my hair straightener, and then I'd just chuck a few things into Jono's suitcase too. Oh, but traveling with kids. (laughs) When we moved to Christchurch, I flew down with the kids from Wellington and we met Jono down here. And, you know, I had Harriet in the front pack and I had Ollie on like a kid lead on my, attached to my hand and then I had Ollie's backpack and Harriet's front um, nappy bag and I had my purse and I had the tickets and I had two checked bags. It's just so different with kids. And now today, every single day when I'm just trying to do the most mundane task, you know, going to the supermarket... I get out of my car about six times before I can finally leave because, you know, I've forgotten a jacket or some snacks. Kids are teaching me a new level of preparation. And as we look at the life of John the Baptist in the book of Luke that we were just reading, we read that even before his life began, it was prophesied that his life mission would be to prepare the way for Jesus. The life of John was destined to be one that would prepare the way for the Messiah. And just a little backstory, John the Baptist, he was part of the family of Jesus. He and Jesus, they were cousins. And in fact, his mother Elizabeth, she was pregnant with him at the same time that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was pregnant with the Messiah. And the Bible tells us of an encounter that John's father, Zechariah, had had. Zechariah was a priest, and he served God in the temple, and Zechariah is in the temple, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord Gabriel, the same angel that appeared to Mary to let her know that she was carrying the Messiah, it appeared to Zechariah, and it says, Zechariah, you're going to have a child. He probably didn't say it in that tone. I'm not quite sure how... But they've been trying for years. You know, they were way past the age of having children. And he said, you're going to have a child. You're going to name him John. And he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And Zechariah, he is dumbfounded. He's like, are you kidding me? How is that going to happen? Don't you know that we're old? And because of his disbelief, the angel shuts his mouth. And Zechariah is unable to speak until the miracle comes to pass and John is born. And the Bible tells us that the angel prophesied to Zechariah that John would be filled with the Spirit of God even while he was in Elizabeth's womb. And then he would grow into a young man 
And the Bible tells us that he went out into the wilderness and he began to preach a gospel of repentance, you know, from your, saying, turn from your sin and be baptized, hence the name John the Baptist. And John and Jesus, they are family. And as we look at the life of John, we see that he walked out the destiny that was prophesied before he was even born. He prepared the way for Jesus. You know, we know that the angel said, and I love this phrase, that the angel says, John will be one of the great ones in the eyes of God. And you know what the angel meant by that? That John would be one of the most iconic servant leaders throughout all of history. And then Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest man. So today, on Mother's Day, I guess the real question is, what kind of woman raises this kind of man? You know, his mother Elizabeth must have been remarkable. She raised a man that made history. But sometimes, as we read the Word of God, all we see is the finished product. But today, we're going to take a closer look at the backstory of this relationship between mother and son and the example that Elizabeth set for her son, who was going to make history by the way that he led his life. See, as we examine Elizabeth and her son John, the first thing that we must understand is, before the miraculous birth, there was miraculous faith. Elizabeth and Zechariah were way past their childbearing years. How could a miracle take place? But the Bible tells us that Elizabeth was able to carry this child even in her old age. Why? Because she had faith. The Bible says that the promise came to pass and that she gives God praise. She says to him, to God, you have been faithful. You see, if your faith filled, if you believe in your heart what you speak about God is true, then your actions will actually walk it out. And Elizabeth lived a life that was faithful. You know, the scripture doesn't paint Elizabeth crying at the altar like it does another woman, Hannah, in the Bible, who was also barren. And there's nothing wrong with crying out to God in the midst of hardship. But Elizabeth was past that. You know, Elizabeth was in the position of her life where she was saying, you know what? Whether the miracle comes or not, I'm still going to show up and serve my God. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to devote my life to servant leadership because my circumstance doesn't change the fact that God is still in charge, that my God is faithful. Come on, God is faithful through it all. And you know, I don't find it a coincidence that Elizabeth's name means God is my satisfaction because Elizabeth walked out the meaning of her name daily. God was her satisfaction. The word of God tells us in Jeremiah 31 verse 25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. Today, if you're seeking satisfaction and fulfillment, even in a season of lows and in a season of need, God will fulfill his promise. He will satisfy your soul. You know, God has proven himself faithful to me time and time again over my life. 
whether that was in relationships, in work, in having kids. Sometimes it didn't look how I thought it would look. And maybe it didn't happen when I wanted it to happen. And, you know, there's also been times when what I wanted to happen didn't. But throughout the Bible, we can look at stories over and over of men and women who found their satisfaction in God. And God can satisfy your soul. And you see, miraculous faith is this. That even though I don't see my miracle coming to pass, I still trust that God is working. Miraculous faith says that even though I don't hear the voice of God, I know he's working. You know, come on, miraculous faith says that God, I know it's not the end because you are faithful. And you know what? Whether the promise comes to pass or not, we come to a place where we say, God, you satisfy me. You are enough for me, and you always will be. Before there was a miraculous birth, there was miraculous faith. Second, as we look at Elizabeth, we see, before he was brave, she was brave. Before John went into the wilderness and prophesied of the Savior, his mother was prophesying of the Savior. The Bible tells us the story that the angel Gabriel, you know, months after he appeared to Zechariah, he appears to Mary, telling Mary that she is carrying the Son of God. And the Bible tells us that then Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, you know, just like one of the family members coming over, sitting around the dinner table. But then, as Mary walks into the house and as Elizabeth hears the voice of Mary, The Bible says that she is filled with the Spirit of God and that John leaps within her womb and that the Spirit of God fills her. And the Bible says that she prophesied powerfully, that she stands up bravely and she declares, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she's not just brave in that moment. You know, Elizabeth, she's brave in declaring that John's name would be John. Because hear me, John wasn't a family name. John was not what John the Baptist was supposed to be called. In fact, the Bible tells us that because Zechariah doubted when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he wasn't able to speak throughout the entire pregnancy. And some of you women are hearing like, that is not so bad. (laughs) Not me, of course. You know, I love it when Jono talks. My favorite thing. (laughs) But the Bible tells us that when John is born, everyone around Elizabeth and Zechariah are like, his name is Zechariah. He's going to be called after his daddy. His name is Zechariah. And that boldly and bravely Elizabeth stands up and she says, no, his name is not Zechariah. His name is John. And they go to Zechariah and they say, Zechariah, what is his name? You tell us. And that Zechariah motions and communicates that his name is John. And as soon as he does that, the Bible says that Zechariah regains his speech. You know, it's wise to agree with your wife, men. (laughs) You see, 
Elizabeth's boldness and bravery brought about her husband's freedom. She wasn't going to allow anyone to put a label on her son. She wasn't going to allow anyone else to declare the true identity over her legacy. She knew who her son was, and she boldly declared the word of God. She said, I know who he is, and she spoke it. And can I tell you today that there are some men and women in this house that you need to stand up and boldly declare who you know your children are called to be, that they are conquerors, that they are not weak, but they, they are strong in the might of the Lord, that they are not beaten down, but that they are strengthened by the spirit that lives in them. You know, it's time for us to stand up and bravely declare who our family is going to be and who God has ordained us to become. You know, every night before bed, we pray for our kids and we pray the following over them, that they would live by faith, be known by love, speak hope, and be bold enough to dream impossible dreams. And the amazing thing is now that what started as just us declaring this over Ollie, he now declares the truth over himself every night. You know, our daughter's full name is Harriet Esther Amelia, which has meanings along the lines of ruler, star, defender. For those of you who know Harriet, you know that that's quite a fitting name for her. <laughs> but for Harriet to be these things, who knows that she's going to be, need to be brave. But in order for her to be brave, I have to be brave. And I don't have to be perfect, but I have to be brave. And how can I be brave? Well, you and I aren't just called to be brave. We're equipped to be brave by the Holy Spirit that fills us and walks with us and leads us and guides us and propels us forward. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he fills you with the bravery to do this. You know, you are called to do what's brave. Brave is speaking love. Brave is choosing to forgive, choosing to walk forward and not carrying bitterness, not carrying the jaded mentality of those around you. What's brave? Choosing to speak identity over your children, over your spouse, over those that you lead. What's brave? Choosing to dive into the word of God instead of reading the junk that the world puts in front of you. What's brave? Finding yourself in prayer instead of just talking to everyone else around you about your life. What's brave? Lifting your hands boldly and worshiping God unashamed of the gospel. What's brave? Unleashing the Holy Spirit within you to let a lost and, and hopeless world know that there is hope, that there is life, that there is freedom in the name of Jesus. You know, what's brave? You are brave. Elizabeth was brave before John was ever brave. Elizabeth modeled for John what it meant to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the prophetic and speaking life when she felt the Spirit leading her to do so. 
Thirdly, we see that before he showed humility, she showed humility. Elizabeth, after boldly and bravely prophesying over Mary, then then exclaims, why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? She was humbled to be a part of God's story. And then John, he goes out into the wilderness and he's preaching. And he's preaching a message of repentance. And there hasn't been a prophet for over 400 years. And people were thinking that John is the Messiah. They were gathering around him wondering, is he the one that the prophets have spoken of? Is he the Messiah? But John knew who he was, that he wasn't the Messiah. No, he was the one that would prepare the way. He said, one more powerful than I will come, and I am unfit to tie his sandals. You know, I heard something about a mum who wrote a song for her family, and she was, would sing it over her children. And the words went like this. This is for you, Lord. Everything that I do, Lord, this is for you. Lord, teach me to serve all through the day. Lord, everything that I say. Lord, search my heart now. Make it for you. Servant leadership is our identity, that we humbly serve an incredible, powerful, merciful, love-filled God, and that in every season of our life, whether on a platform or in the parents' room, that God is for you, that this is for you, God. You know, God, I'm in my car and I'm talking to my kids about reaching out to those that are isolated in their school, that this is for you, God. That as I'm in my cubicle at work and my colleague next to me is going through a divorce and they're broken and they don't know where to go and their heart is hurt, as I speak life and love over them, that God, this is for you. You know, I think about this home, this community of equippers, and I think about all the servant leaders that as they set up the stage and the coffee machine and the kids' spaces every single week, they say, this is for you, Lord. As we pray over the seats, We say, God, let people find a home here. This is for you, Lord. We say, this is for you, Lord. Everything we do is for you. Teach us to serve. God, let us walk humbly as John did, as Elizabeth did. Lord, let us prepare the way so that your power can show up. May that be the cry of our hearts. You know, how do we introduce Jesus to our lost and hurting world? I believe it's through our bravery and our humility that we would be brave to serve and humble as we lead, but that we would also be humble as we serve and brave as we lead. We need you to walk out both. You know, and hear me, the humility and the bravery, it starts within our hearts. The outer working is only a reflection of what's going on in our hearts. And lastly today, and I'll just invite the band back up. 
as we examine the relationship between Elizabeth and John, we have to realize that before he recognized Jesus, she recognized Jesus. Before John ever said, Behold the Lamb of God, Elizabeth said to Mary, Behold the mother of the Son of God. We see this beautiful parallel throughout the scriptures between John and Jesus and Elizabeth's relationship with Mary. It was prophetic that they were speaking to the destiny and the identity within them. And Elizabeth, before John ever stood in the wilderness and said, behold the Lamb of God, she realized who Jesus was and she spoke boldly and prophetically to it. Because how do you be a prophet? You be prophetic. How do you teach your son to be brave? You be brave. How do you teach your son to walk in his purpose? You walk in your own purpose, and then you show him how to walk into his. Our children do what they see us do. Do you want your child or the person that you're mentoring today to live the life that you're living? You see, John the Baptist, he grew up with Jesus. Think about it for a minute. You know, they were cousins. They were family. John had grown up with Jesus. They had been kids together. They had been teenagers together. That's a weird thought, eh? Imagine, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but the truth is that John was very familiar with Jesus. But then a moment came. And John is out in the wilderness preaching the gospel of repentance. And he's saying, you know, be baptized. He's in the Jordan River. And I don't know, maybe Jesus had shown up several times over the years while John's been out in the wilderness, you know, just going to have a chat with his cousin. But there was something different about that day. You know, Jesus shows up and he walks to the Jordan River and maybe he dips his toe in there. But then he just keeps on walking. You know, and all of a sudden, John locks eyes with Jesus and he's no longer looking at his cousin, but he's looking at the Savior of the world the Messiah. And John declares, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, it says in a moment that he saw who Jesus had been all along and he realized, you're not just my cousin. You're not just my family. You're my Savior. You're my King. You're my Lord. You're the one that's been prophesied about. You're the one that I've been speaking about. It's you. And I finally realize who you are. But before John realized who Jesus was, Elizabeth realized who Jesus was. And can I ask you today, have you realized who Jesus truly is? Have you realized that when he gave his life on the cross 2,000 years ago, he wasn't just dying for a nameless people scattered throughout the world, but that he loves every single one of us, that he came for you. He knows who you are. 
and He loves you. The question is, do you know who He is? Because He's waiting to encounter you with His love. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 